0: Is is Nina the one that's saying ninety nine? uh Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, what I
1: thought. And then, yeah. uh, oh, she's got another good one. Is it Egg and V? It's Egg and V. Egg
2: and Yeah. Yeah. There was a cover version with I don't know this it's, other person.
0: The hairy armpits never. <laughs> <doubt>. <laughs> I mean,
2: that was that was the eighties.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was not the eighties over here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> not that I was alive, but but still. Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern podcast. Leroy Sané seems just days away from officially becoming a Bayern Munich player, and it's a good thing too, because the Bavarians are going to need him. Bayern lost the DFL Super Cup 2-0 to Borussia Dortmund on Saturday, highlighting that they still have some work to do before the season officially begins. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about that game with my friends Tim Richards.
1: Hello there.
0: And Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Yeah, like I said yesterday, Bayern Munich went out against Borussia Dortmund and lost the DFL Super Cup 2-0. Uh, in my opinion, it wasn't actually the worst game from Bayern Munich, but there were definitely some things that were highlighted that need to be fixed. Um, it's not really the most important game of the season, but it's also something that Bayern weren't taking lightly and, and definitely wanted to win, as we talked about. And there's a lot that we can learn from the game. Um, so Sebastian, let's go and ask you, What is your biggest takeaway uh, from yesterday's game?
2: I guess my biggest takeaway is uh, that a lot of things I thought fixed and a thing of the past are not really completely fixed and and a thing of the past. Uh, I guess that was pretty frustrating for me. And I guess uh, the clearest example of that uh, was the situation with Thiago. Uh, I think this time everyone agrees that this was certainly not Thiago's best match. Um yeah and it's pretty much what I what I have been saying for for a long time that I don't think he's cut out to be our lone number 6 or at least our most defensive midfielder and I really thought that w- that was just behind us. I, I really thought everyone agreed and certainly uh Kovac and uh, the the people taking the decisions agreed that Tiago in that position is not going to be the solution, but I guess I was wrong. And there are a couple of other things that I thought looked like the yeah like the not so great parts of last season. For example, I didn't like uh, that our wingers uh, pretty much stuck to the sideline, and there was yeah there there was not as much mixing up with the people in the middle as I would have liked. For example, and yeah a lot of that stuff which i really thought we tested this and we all agreed that it's not what we're going to do we found better solutions the better the, those solutions worked and we did them for quite a long time and it was fine and now we are back to these old uh yeah these old habits that i think are yeah they should be a thing of the past
0: that second point that you brought up about the wingers um, I think that's especially important, given that Niko Kovac wants to move to that four-three-three. 3 If you're going to do that, you have to have guys who are going to move inside and going to mix in and out. Or else, you know, as we saw yesterday, Robert Lewandowski is completely isolated. And when that's the case, he's almost entirely ineffective. But we can get to more on that um, in a second. I think I could go a step further. You said that yesterday wasn't Thiago's best game. I would almost say that it was probably the worst game I can remember him playing in a Bayern Munich jersey. Um Tim, do you agree? Do you think Thiago was a bit off yesterday? Uh do you think that Sebastian's got it nailed on that the six really isn't his position?
1: Yeah, I completely agree. This probably was his it's probably was his worst. Like we've always spoken about how with him you can kind of tell really early on what sort of game he's gonna have and that became quite apparent like he can he can play as a six providing everything else around him works exactly as it's supposed to because he can he can defend he can attack he's got fantastic passing ability but i think as soon as you have a team that's going to press as aggressively as dortmund you're going to come into a bit of trouble because he's not the most physical um, like he's not the most physically commanding presence in the middle, um, and just generally, he he made like a number of mistakes. He gave the ball away a lot. To to his credit, when he gives the ball away, he instantly tries to to get it back. Like I I guess that like you know that doesn't really account for anything. Like it doesn't. Okay, you can talk about like recoveries maybe, but it doesn't help the fact that like he got himself into that position in the first place. Um, I think he was responsible. He was certainly responsible for the first goal. I think he was responsible for the second goal as well, um, because it was wayward passing. It's, these are mistakes that, like he, he, he would know that he is not that bad. Like he can, he can, he can have games where he controls every aspect of it, from defence to attack, to just completely controlling the pace of the game. Yesterday was not it, uh, and it really did highlight that we don't have as far as I'm aware, or like we haven't seen uh, somebody in the Bayern squad that can play as that lone six, which looks to be if we're to believe anything that we've seen in the in newspapers, that's gonna be what we need.
0: Well that was gonna be my next question. Um, you know, can this be fixed internally? Can, you know, Quantan um maybe even rather Sanchez fulfill that role. Uh, Sebastian, would you agree? Do you think maybe Bayern are going to have to dip into the market now, um, or do you think that need is more highlighted now than before, or do you think that the solution might still be there in the Bayern squad?
2: The solution might very well be there, I think, and and I think uh, there are two directions where the solution might come from. The first solution would, as you have pointed out, be to so. I haven't seen enough from him in this position. Uh, And uh, and I think uh, it's not only that I haven't seen all of the games. It's really just that he hasn't played that position often enough to really be sure what he can do in this position. I guess that's, that's the one idea. And we really need to find out if that might work. But the only way to find out is sticking him there and putting Thiago somewhere else. And we really need to see that. Of course, there's also the possibility of playing Joshua Kimmich there again because i think he should definitely have uh, both the skill as a passer and as a defender uh, to yeah to do that job that should work the question is where is where uh, yeah well where where, have, where do we get more performance out of him do we get more performance out of him on the right side or on the six so i guess that certainly is a possibility and of course we are still uh, we can still talk about uh, three at the back that's kind of another way to solve that problem by just having another body in the middle there and i guess giving some of those uh, responsibilities to to a defender to a proper defender and yeah taking some of those defensive responsibilities away from the number 6 position and i think that also is a very interesting idea and i think we could really try that because that might be the the way to get rid of this problem completely but of course we also have javi martinez and he will be back and i would always trust javi martinez in that position of course uh arguably that takes away a bit of our offensive offensive capabilities but i guess that's not too bad but yeah we should have more than one player for that position anyway so
0: um a couple of things i want to address you just said About Joshua Kimmich in midfield, um, obviously, you know, I'd much rather keep him at right back, but if he does go to midfield, I still think he'd be better as an 8 than a 6, because I think that his abilities going forward are significantly better than his abilities uh, defending and going back, and I think, like Thiago, if he's as a lone 6, we'd still be exposed, because I think his tendency to go forward um, and to always push to attack would outweigh any tactical discipline that Niko Kovac tried to drill into him, and I think we'd still have the same issues, essentially, with him that we have with Thiago. Um, as for Javi Martinez, I believe at times we saw last season where he, uh, where Kovac tried to play him as a lone defensive midfielder, and it never quite worked out as well as it does when he played in a double pivot alongside someone like Thiago. Um, so for me, if, if we don't want to go into the market, then Colin Tanteliso still stands as an option, of course, uh, but go to a, a double pivot again has to be the way forward. But if Kovac wants to stick with the 4-3-3 and stick with that lone holding midfielder behind two uh, traditional number eights, then I think, I don't know, this This game may have com- convinced me it's time to bite the bullet and go for Mark Roca or at least someone of that, you know, playing, that, that mold, someone kind of like a mix of a Sergio Busquets and Chabi Alonso, um, who can play that role, and, you know, maybe Javi Martinez can fill in that role at times, but uh, someone who, for the future, for the next, you know, coming years, can can lead that position, or take that position, and kind of make it their own, um, and I, I should add that I think that moving Tiago to the eight would, is probably the smartest move that we can make. I think he's hands down uh, our best midfielder, arguably our most talented player, and, Playing you know, our best players out of positions is never going to do anything good, but playing them in their best position can just take this team to a whole nother level, and I think he'd really excel uh, in, a, in a more advanced position. So it wouldn't only strengthen the six by having someone else, but strengthen the eight by moving Thiago somewhere where he actually plays well.
1: I'd re- I'd really like to see Renato Sanchez take it on. I think the way that modern football is currently shaping up is so heavily predicated on on speed and being strong and being and being tough. like you can have like skillful wingers but like um, and you can have like very very quick uh, players out wide. In terms of being in the middle, if you're going to be controlling the game, you need to be strong. you need to be incredibly tough tackling um, as well as being fast. Renato Sanchez on paper, the way that he is built, is the exact person that you want, essentially being like the, the general in the midfield. Okay, he doesn't quite have the same sort of you know, abilities as like Alonso did or, or even Thiago's um, you know, technical flair. But this is a guy that is desperate to play football. And if you say, we can guarantee you regular first-team football if you're willing to be converted to to a defensive midfielder, he'd probably take the opportunity because it means he's going to play as often as he wants to. And for all intents and purposes, I think he would probably do very, very well there. I think I I honestly haven't seen Mark Roker play. And so, and I see a lot of people on Twitter and Reddit saying, oh, we need to buy this guy. I can't say whether or not it's it's a necessity, but I think we need to at least see, firstly, is Toliso the player? if he is fantastic that's good that's one less problem to worry about is goretzka no probably not thinking about it is sanchez we haven't seen it i think we need to see that before we can decide whether or not well whether or not to either buy a new player or whether or not this guy even has a future at the club
2: well, I guess simply in terms of numbers, we need a couple of more buddies in there. So there's really little uh, to say against bu- buying that player if if we think uh, he's as great uh, as we seem to think. So I, I really don't don't see a see a problem there uh, because yeah, it's it's just for for depth you you can't re- can't really go wrong there, even if he's not an immediate starter or anything. And by the way, uh, what I what I thought about when you talked about Sanchez there, uh, Tim. Uh, I think the best comparison, really, for him could be Zeroberto. I guess that's kind of a similar guy with a similar athleticism and a similar skill set. Uh, I, I guess that's an interesting comparison, and they even have roughly the same height, I guess. And yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point, and I never thought of him uh, from that perspective. But I think it's interesting.
1: Yeah, Z- Zeroberto was a—he was tough as well. I think Zeroberto is probably a bit shorter. I think he was like five. Six maybe I, think. I
2: actually I actually checked and I'm not quite sure what five six is but Cervetto is a, uh, one centimeter smaller than uh, than uh, Sanchez. Hmm. Oh, okay. So it's one seventy five and one seventy six.
1: Okay. Yeah. No. I could I could probably see that probably see that working. They're both very skillful. Sanchez had a really really great moment yesterday where he sort of he rolled his foot over the ball and completely changed direction in one movement. It was it was really good and like is probably the most exciting player that i'd ever seen live up to a point like the like the way that he that he could control a ball was just yeah, it was just incredible i'd never seen something that exciting before
2: and just a great athlete al- also
1: oh, yeah, He played until he was like 43 maybe Yeah, and,
2: and he was really jacked that guy <laughs> whenever he, yeah. he took off his shirt he'd... wow not not like, uh, I don't know, like not a Karsten kind of guy. Or
0: <laughs> <laughs> there, the um, there definitely are a lot of parallels. Renato Sanchez, like Roberto, is a very versatile player. Like, for example, he was playing left wing yesterday, albeit not, you know, to the level that we would want from a left winger. But we don't really even know like hardly what his best position is. Um, since we're on the topic of midfield, yesterday we saw probably for the first time ever at Bayern Munich Leon Goretzka and Quentin Tolisso both playing in midfield together. Now, uh, not on this podcast necessarily, but Tim, I know back when Leon Goretzka was signing for Bayern, um, you were not necessarily critical, but you always talked about, you know, do we really need this guy because we already have Quentin Tolisso? They're very similar players. Do you think that having both of them in midfield at the same time kind of makes things a little bit redundant, uh, reduces the effectiveness of our midfield?
1: Yeah, I'd say so. I think you need to have you need to have a variety. I think I remember seeing a lot of people kind of draw comparisons to like well, I, I guess like any times uh, Iniesta and Xavi played. There's a, a really great gif of both of them like looking at each other, pointing in the same direction, and then nodding. I, like that, you kind of had these two players that were that were just built for each other to, to work with each other. Kind of like, it's not the same, but like similar to Schweinsteiger and Martinez. There's just something about that combination where it just works so well. And I think when, when Schweinsteiger came back from injury, I was really excited to see what he was going to do with Xabi Alonso. And they just kind of got in each other's way and they were doing basically the same thing. Like Schweinsteiger, obviously, like he got forward more, but for the most part, you had you had two players that weren't the most mobile, um, and it really did kind of cause problems. And with um, with Iniesta and Xavi, you had two players that were very similar, but they uh, Iniesta would focus more on on starting the attack and like working with with Messi or whoever was in front of him, and Xavi would kind of make sure that everything in the middle was working. I think with Tolisso and Goretzka, you have two people doing exactly the same thing. And in a way, it just kind of, it's a, it's a wasted position. Yeah, I don't think you need both of them. Um, so I, I get like why Tolisso started this was like obviously his first proper game back from from his uh, awful injury last year. Um, but I think with that, maybe this was a, a game where we could see Tolisso and somebody else I don't think having him and Goretzka on the pitch at the same time really works if they're if they're both playing as an eight I know both of them have kind of played out wide before um but when they're both playing in the middle it's just it's just stepping on each other really
0: yeah and I think maybe even Toliso as a six and Goretzka as an eight might would work but I don't think that should be if we're going to play with two eights I don't think that's a pairing that we should be seeing very often I mean they're essentially both just box-to-box midfielders Uh, Mm. both probably a little bit better going forward than they are tracking back more so for Goretzka especially than Taliso but yeah that's something I noticed throughout the game that if we're going to go with a 4-3-3 I don't think those need to be our two and and like neither of them are the most creative on the ball Um, and you know that goes back to pushing Tiago a bit further further up the pitch as well Um, so while we were talking about Sanchez I wanted to to bring that up. Um, Leroy Sané may be coming to Bayern soon. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that, potentially jinxing it. Do you have a question though, Sebastian? Do you think Leroy Sané, and I probably know your answer, do you think he's going to be enough to, to I guess, fix this Bayern Munich attack?
2: Uh, uh, no, I don't. I don't really think so. Uh, I I don't think that's really the solution because if we would if he would have been there uh, in this game, he would have just been another winger. That would not necessarily have solved anything. Really, of of course, he would probably be a somewhat better winger than than the guys we played. He would probably probably be our best option there, but it's not really a game changer at all. Um. Yeah, I guess uh, if he in any way contributes, uh, for example, to get get Lewandowski more involved or anything like that, and if he he would have been able uh, to do things uh, on the sideline uh, that that just break up this yeah this uh, th- this kind of play that it's uh, is the same all of the time and it's just pre- too predictable, maybe. But I think that's that that not really that doesn't really come down to individual players so much. I think. I really kind of put that on Kovac. I, maybe I, I'm wrong there, but that's that's just my feeling uh, because I, I'm I'm a bit uh, concerned that we uh well we we might get back into this kind of afraid type of football uh, that 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 i that we kind of saw uh, in the last season and and i would not really like that and with just plugging one uh, one different player in there you don't really change that and yeah you also obviously he would not have fixed our defensive problems uh, with the Thiago situation there no, none of that would have been fixed by 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 having uh Lira Sané. Sane. so yeah That would have to be a clear no from me.
0: You talked a little bit about Robert Lewandowski. Do you think if we're going to stick with this 4-3, or if we're going to stick with this 4-3-3, Tim, we have to find a way to get him involved to make him more effective? How is that done? How can Kovac, I guess, get the best out of Robert Lewandowski while still playing his 4-3-3?
1: I... I, I think my answer is kind of disagreeing with Sebastian. What I, I think what would help would be, um, would be a forward, like a, a wide forward that can make things happen quite organically. Um, I th- it happened quite a lot yesterday. Uh, Lewandowski was like drifting out wide. He isn't, he isn't a winger, um, but he can fill out, uh, he can fill in out wide, um, as if like, if only to like just kind of take defenders over in that direction um it is it is quite complicated because i think part of um part of the problem that we saw yesterday was that he was you know he was being flanked by two wingers that i don't know i i don't think that koman's best position is on the left um i, I do think that he is much more suited to being on the right because he doesn't have that sort of killer instinct that somebody like uh like Ribery had or even Robin for that matter um and then on the right side you had Thomas Müller who isn't the sort of player that can make things happen not in the box um or like not in that sort of surrounding area if he's if he's out wide he can drag defenders out there and maybe create space but you know he's played against Dortmund so many times they know they know what he's going to do his his best uh, asset is an unpredictability um and it it's it's a shame because he he doesn't necessarily work in a 4-3-3 um he'll he'll need to have somebody in the middle if he's going to be playing out wide but the best way to utilize uh, Lewandowski is to have somebody that is more creative um immediately behind him whether that's Muller playing as a eight and a half or like somewhere between eight and 10, then like, I'd I'd like to see that happen. But I think he was very much isolated as you suggested. Uh, And I think the addition of somebody like, like Sane or even, even Gnabry, someone to just make something happen uh, would really, really help him and the rest of the team.
0: Yeah. That was gonna be my next question is maybe this game just highlights the importance of Serge Gnabry. Uh, to the starting 11 especially if we're going to you know play the 433 because that's someone who is going to be direct who's going to get inside a lot especially a lot more so than Kingsley Coman who'd rather beat his defender on the outside and put in a cross. Naby's going to go toward the goal, make stuff happen um that way. So Sebastian, if you don't think Sané is enough, um do you suggest another center forward to to rotate with Robert Lewandowski? perhaps another winger, uh, I have a feeling you might suggest Timo Werner, who we haven't talked about in quite some time.
2: Well, that's going to be a very emphatic yes in part, but also a no, because yes, I, I would definitely love to have another uh, another striker, or somebody who can uh, come in instead of Lewandowski at times. I would definitely love to have that. But that in itself is also not necessarily the solution for me because, as I said, I might be wrong about that, but I feel that part of that is on Kovac. I think Kovac wants to see part of what we saw in that game. It's not all just an accident. It's not all... Because we we already saw that last year and... I remember, I don't know what game that was, where where Kovac was quite obviously from the sideline, emphasizing uh, that the the wingers should stay outside and not come in as much, while uh, coming in uh, was uh, coming into the middle was working very 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 well. So yeah. Hmm. You're not you're not going to solve that with with any new players if 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 Kovac is working kind of against it. So
0: yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely something for the coach to work on um, over the next two weeks and and hopefully get figured out. We haven't talked about Bayern's de- uh, defense yet, and I thought that Stromboeting and Nicholas Sula were both pretty poor against Dortmund, especially Nicholas Sula. I was especially disappointed by him. Uh, mostly because for the majority of last season he was hands down our best defender but yesterday he just looked slow uh, lethargic at times I don't it's hard to really explain what was going on um, with him do you well how do you make sense of that Um, is this a a Kovac thing as well or was it just another bad game by individual players Uh, Tim what, what did you see going on with the defense
1: I don't think, uh, yeah, you're absolutely spot on with Nicholas Sula. I think throughout all of the preseason, he's just not been the same, which is fine because, like, if he's ever going to hit bad form, now is probably the time for it to happen. Like before, um, before everything starts again. I don't think it's necessarily down to to the coach. This is a coach that, you know, is almost infamous for valuing defensive stability beyond anything else. I think what's going on with Nicolas Sula is this is a guy that is probably quite tired. Like he played just about every single game that he could do uh, last season um, and is now making kind of just bad mistakes. Like there was the the preseason friendly against Arsenal a few weeks ago where he just, he completely misjudged the ball and it went straight over him. Um, Yesterday he wasn't really making much of an effort to get the ball off of I think Guerrero uh, right on the side like within about a minute um, or I think it was like less than a minute Um Dortmund had a really good chance that came from Sula not making a good tackle um, But with that I think Boateng played all right he had a couple of moments but um, you know sadly I think we're kind of accustomed to that now uh I I thought he played fine um but yeah this is like the first proper game that Bayern have played where I don't want to say that it matters because it doesn't the Super Cup's a game where if you win fantastic and if you lose it's fine it's still preseason. um I, I don't know this is this is a team that's just spent a lot of money on on defenders so I'm not too worried about it um But yeah, I think beyond anything else, it's just individual mistakes, again, like we saw a lot of last year.
2: Yeah, from my perspective, there's a bit of a difference, uh, and and I guess you also hinted at that, Tim. Uh, Zule is just not not in the right form right now, and he's just not where I would want him to be. Boateng on the other side, I think he he played significantly better than Zule yesterday, while there were also... Way too many situations where he didn't look so great, but but on the other hand, really, there were, he made a lot of saves for us yesterday, and I guess uh, we sh- we should uh, yeah really uh, value that and not not forget about that. I think he played played all right while, while and he he in most situations he looked quite fine, which I cannot really say for Zule. Zule just is is not quite uh, quite quite right at the moment. I, I hope that's going to be uh, going going to improve, and I'm I'm not really too concerned about that situation, as you also have pointed out. Uh I hope that Pavar and uh, and Lukas are really seen as centre backs by Kovac, so we're going to have uh, enough options there, even if one or two players are not in the not not in perfect form.
0: Well, we've looked a lot at the negative sides of yesterday's game. Uh, Were there any positives? Did any player have a good game in your eyes? Did anybody stand out in a positive manner for for either of you?
2: Well, I guess uh, even if it's a bit controversial there, uh, for me, that's Kimmich. Uh, Kimmich was was the best player on the field uh, for Bayern, in my opinion. Uh, He played pretty well, I think. And of course, uh, yeah, that possible uh, possible red card he could have gotten there. That was a bit unfortunate. I don't know if you want to go into any detail about that. I guess it's tough to judge because you would really have to know what he was thinking at that moment. So, I guess it's a bit difficult. But yeah, I think he was pretty much uh, he played pretty much as well as we can expect of him. Uh, not necessarily outstanding, but in the kind of range of what his normal standard of play would be
0: yeah i have to agree i think kimmick was the one player that probably had could could leave the well men one wasn't bad but kimmick is one player who could say that he played a good game to the best of his abilities um on the yellow card i will say i think it should probably have been a red if i was the referee it probably would have been a red Uh, and but i don't think he did it on purpose um the only real comment i have about that is Kimmich needs to learn to control his temper because not because of the foul, but he was arguing about getting a yellow card afterward when pretty much any neutral would agree that it should have been a red. And, you know, even as a Byron fan, I would have not been upset had he got a red Uh, to get away with the yellow and then even argue about that at all is just completely foolish. Uh, And, you know, he's obviously going to be the captain of this club if he hangs around long enough. And he's obviously a great leader. But I would love to see him extinguish that part of his game, um, not not completely, because I love the passion that he brings and everything. But you can't be arguing with the refs about something so obvious like that. So that's the only real comment I have about uh, the the yellow card that he got.
1: I, I completely agree. Like you, you, you need an element of that to your game. Like you, kind of every every team needs somebody like. Oliver Kahn or Mark Van Bommel or Stefan Neffenberg. It's no coincidence that these were captains of Bayern and also kind of like famed for kind of getting in the referee's face. But he was incredibly lucky to get away with just a yellow card. I think it maybe was an accident or like if it was, if, if he did do it, I think Sancho maybe acted up a little bit too much because um, obviously like when, it, when you saw it live, you didn't see what happened. And you saw that Sancho was like screaming and like rolling around in agony. And I was like, there's nothing that he could have possibly done that would have caused that sort of um, that sort of reaction. Um, But no, I I completely agree. Like it is something that he does need to sort out. He he missed the second Liverpool game as a result of getting quite a needless yellow card. Um, We don't like to dwell on that, but who knows what could have happened if, if he was there for it.
2: Uh, well, I guess it's I, fin- I find that a bit confusing what you said there, Ben, because isn't this kind of situation all about intent?
0: Well, yeah, no, I guess I, I, the way I should put it, I don't think that it was intentional, so maybe I wouldn't have given a red. At the same time, ah, okay. I completely mm-hmm. understand anyone who says that should be a red card.
1: Um, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Muller and Masraoui thing. Like, you know that he obviously didn't mean to do it, Right, but you did it, and it was really bad.
0: Yeah, whenever so you like put, this,
1: this what this wasn't as bad.
0: Whenever it's like heavy studs, yeah, and and I com- Sancho definitely sold it. Um, but uh. I guess just trying to remain fair, I would have completely understood had it been a red. You know, it's studs on yeah, top of his of foot course. at his ankle. So course.
2: yeah, you cannot complain if it's if it's a red card because obviously the referee cannot 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 know if it's actually intentional or not. So he just has. Has to go on what 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 he's able to see. So yeah, of course.
1: I, guess. I always think back to that Chabi uh, Alonso, Nigel De Jong thing from the 2010 World Cup. Nigel De Jong just like kicked him, like he <laughs> had his leg up, Chabi Alonso in the chest, and the referee gave him a yellow card, which like if anything is the worst thing that you could have possibly given him because it's like well you obviously saw what happened,
0: right? <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> yeah, i mean i would almost say Kimmich was lucky not to get it a, a second yellow for arguing about the call mm. like that would that was by far the most disappointing that seeing that from kimmick is more disappointing than seeing sancho flop and try and sell the call uh, and but i guess like that
2: i guess he's kind of right though because it's either a red card or nothing in my in my opinion because you have either, either have to say he's doing that on purpose, then it's a red. If he's not doing that on purpose and he really isn't even trying... I mean, if he's not doing that on purpose, he's not even trying to make any contact with the player. So that can, cannot really be a yellow card at no speed also. So for, for me, then, then it's nothing.
0: Hmm. I don't know about that. I, once again, I don't have the rules in front of me and I don't have them memorized. <laughs> But I think a yellow for accidental contact that is still harmful to a player, still dangerous, is pretty fair. Um, but if I had to choose between one and the other, I'd probably lean toward the side of Kimmich should have got a red then, if it was between those two. Uh, either way, he didn't get sent off, so there's no point talking about it now. Because he got he got <laughs> away with one, or maybe he got judged too harshly for something he didn't mean to do, depending on how you look at it. Is there anything else from the game that you two feel like we should discuss?
1: I guess, like, I don't think it's, like, super important. I think it's maybe, like, worth, like, highlighting that Neuer, again, I I don't think he was necessarily at fault for either of the goals. Like, these are goals that get scored against anybody. Um, I thought he played really well, Like especially, like, the save in the first minute. Um, I thought that was good. But, like, the commentators yesterday were saying, like, oh, he's incredibly foolish to, like, to run out. Uh, so the thing where, was it Al or Guerrero or Royce, whoever it was, um, like, just missed by, like, a foot from, from, like, the halfway line. And, like, the commentators were just like, oh, this this is, like, very silly. This is very reckless. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is Neuer. That's just what he does. Like, you just need to get over it. Like, it's really not a big deal because... Ultimately, it didn't go in. If he had mistimed it, then the player is close to the goal, has got a slightly better chance of it going in. The whole reason why he comes out and closes the player down is because it makes it harder for them to score because the angle is much, much smaller. Now, I think, like, regular Neuer is very much back on the menu.
2: Well, uh, commentators, I think, are just often very terrible uh, with that stuff. They just are driven by the overall discourse in the media but yeah i have no real idea what's going on with the clubs because obviously they they are uh commenting on games from very very different clubs very different leagues very uh, just very different kind of stuff sometimes even different sports in in some cases so the guy doing it for for CTF yesterday i think uh he said that uh I don't know exactly how he uh, how, uh, how he phrased it, but it was something to the effect that Thomas Müller still hasn't managed to get out of his bad form, right? And I was just thinking, what what is that guy talking about? I mean, Thomas Müller had a, had a quite good uh, quite good season last year, and he just came off the, this hat trick against Fenerbahce. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I don't know what that what that was all about. But that's just commentators for you.
0: On the. Yeah, I think- on the Neuer thing, it's almost like people just forgot completely about the 2014 World Cup, where yeah. something like that would have been one of the more tame things that Manuel Neuer did during uh-huh. a game. Or like even under during Pep Guardiola, like if Neuer wasn't standing on the halfway line, then I don't think Pep was satisfied with how Bayern were playing. Like he mm-hmm. wanted him as far forward as. Basically, Neuer was the defensive midfielder. So ultimately, Alcácer didn't score. And so it worked. It worked out for Noy, yeah, in, in my it, opinion. It a nice Well, Byron still have almost two weeks till the start of the Bundesliga season, so hopefully they can figure everything out in that time and also bring in Leroy Sané and whoever else they need to uh, have added to the squad by the beginning of the season. But that's going to wrap up this episode from us. If you're a fan of the pod or if you've enjoyed listening, do us a big favor and leave us a five-star review. we greatly appreciate it. It helps us grow, and it helps us to improve and get better so we can continue to bring you the best content uh, week after week. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Super Byron Pod. You can reach out to us there, contact us, interact with us there. Uh, you can also get in touch with us by emailing us at superbyronpod at gmail.com. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, we're probably there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell all your friends, and we'll talk to you next time you <laughs>